0: Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as three dollars a month. Just go to patreon.com/CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate, or you can go to Buy Me a Cup of Coffee slash Craig U. All of these links are also in my show notes, and for people who donate, I have various levels of benefits. For $5, you get a thank you at the start of the next episode of Canadian History X, Canada's Great War, and from John to Justin, and on social media. For $10, you get everything from the $5, plus this episode is sponsored by, with your name at the start. Also, I'll state it's sponsored by you on social media. For $20, everything from the $5 and $10, plus a second episode sponsored by you, and promotion of something you're working on. And you can find weekly videos on Canada's history on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash c slash CanadianHistoryX. If you want to find transcripts of every episode I've ever done, you can go to my website, CanadaEHX.com, and there's over 700 posts on Canada's history there. The land that Ajax sits on today was the home of several Indigenous nations long before Europeans arrived in the area. The Haudenosaunee, The Anishinaabe, the Mississauga, and the Huron-Wendat all occupied the territory at different times over the centuries. When Europeans arrived in the area, the Mississauga were occupying the land that Ajax would eventually be built on. The Mississauga would sign the Gunshot Treaty in 1788 and the Williams Treaty in 1923, initiating the ceding of land to Europeans and settlers. However, it was not until 2018 that the First Nations and the governments of Ontario and Canada came to a final agreement on these treaties, settling previous unresolved issues about land surrenders and harvesting rights. An Irish fur trader named Duffin was the first known European to reside in the area that would become Ajax. He is believed to have arrived in the 1770s, and by the time the surrounding lands were surveyed in 1791, the creek alongside his log cabin would bear his name. A settlement developed along the banks of Duffins Creek in the early 1800s and grew substantially in 1807 with the arrival of Timothy Rogers, who brought many Quaker families to the area from the United States. This community would continue to prosper and was known first as Canton, then Duffins Creek, and by 1878, Pickering Village. The remainder of the lands outside the settlement areas were readily settled and developed for agricultural purposes throughout the 1800s and into the early 1900s. The town of Ajax would not officially be established until the middle of the 20th century, and its creation was owed entirely to the Second World War. In 1941, a massive munitions plant was built on a 1,200 hectare expanse of farmland to support the Allied war effort. The community of workers that grew around the plant was in need of a name, so a contest was held with the winning entry being Ajax. The community name did not come from the cleaning product, as some might think, but from a British cruiser. The HMS Ajax, itself named for Ajax the Great, the mythological hero, took part in the Battle of the River Plate, the Battle of Crete, and the Battle of Malta. In 1939, it was part of a hunt for the German raider, the Admiral Graf Spree, and engaged the ship on December 13th. Despite the German ship's greater firepower, and being hit seven times by German guns, the Ajax was able to corner the ship, which was scuttled by her crew. The defence industry's limited plant would become incredibly busy during the war, producing 40 million shells while employing 9,000 people. The factory had its own water and sewage treatment plant and included more than 30 miles of both roads and railroads. People from across Canada came to work at the plant, many of whom were women. Women working at the production lines became known as bomb girls and contributed heavily to the success of both the plant and the overall war effort. When the war ended, the University of Toronto leased some of the plant in order to handle the flood of discharged soldiers who had enrolled as engineering students. The machines of war were moved out of the site, and the buildings were converted into classrooms and laboratories. The school was highly successful for its first few years, with 7,000 engineering students receiving their basic training by 1949. That would be the last year for the University of Toronto, Ajax Division. McLean's would write about the campus, quote, This is Ajax, U of T's answer to the biggest boom in higher learning in the history of Canadian universities, created by a mass migration of Canadian servicemen out of uniform into the cap and gown. Maclean's would go on to describe the community, which was popular since the former servicemen could bring their families while they studied, stating, The 600 house village is filled with families whose breadwinners commute daily to Whitby, Oshawa, Toronto, due to the housing shortages in those centres. Across the tracks, the 1,306 bachelor students are as comfortably, if less romantically situated, two to a room in a 40-room double-winged residence, end quote. Roy Gilly, a veteran and director of the Ajax campus, stated, quote, We're doing all we can to establish the university atmosphere and help the lads to overlook Ajax's superficial resemblance to an army camp, end quote. A bookstore was built, a laundry that handled 100,000 pieces a day was also established, as was a movie theatre showing two shows a week. From 1949 to 1953, the plant would serve as a displaced persons camp as thousands of refugees from post-war Europe came to the area on their way to settle elsewhere in Canada. Now, After the war ended and the plant closed, the community had no industry, but that didn't stop it. Rather than let itself become a ghost town, the community got to work bringing in new industries to keep Ajax alive. In 1949, Doughty Aerospace started operating in Ajax, and by 1969, Volkswagen Canada, DuPont, Ajax Textile, and other companies were operating in the community. A person who could be considered as the person who saved the community was George Finley, who worked with the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, and his vision was to make Ajax a modern planned community using the wartime base as its post-war foundation. Now from 1949 to 1950, Ajax was a crown colony as it had no municipal government. Finally, in 1950, the citizens petitioned to create the Corporation of the Improvement District of Ajax. Three trustees were appointed, and they acted as the council, school board, library board, and anything else that Ajax required. In 1953, there was an effort to have more participation of citizens in the council and school board. As a result, the Improvement District became the town of Ajax, and in December 1954, the people elected the first town council and school board for the community. Benjamin DeForest Bailey would be the first mayor of Ajax and officially took office on January 1, 1955. From the 1950s, Ajax would continue to grow and become a prosperous community in Ontario that was defying the odds as it adapted to changing times and changing industries. By the 1960s, the town had a bustling population of 8,000 people with 60 industries producing a wide array of products. In 1954, the Ajax and Pickering General Hospital opened with 38 adult and children's beds. That would expand to 50 beds in 1958 and then 127 beds in 1964. In August 1962, Ajax made national news when it began to mint its own coins to commemorate the 1962 Canadian National Exhibition. The coins resembled actual money and featured a warrior's helmet on the front with the words The Town of Ajax, Ontario, Canada, Canadian National Exhibition. On the back, there was a picture of a factory and the words "Plan for Industry and Living. The Industrial Commission of the town had produced the coins as a way to gain attention from businessmen around the world, many of whom were coin collectors. The hope was that the businessmen would locate to Ajax if they decided to build or rent a factory. On March 28th, 1965, a child named Jeff Bukaboom was born in Ajax. He would play his minor hockey in the area until he left to play junior hockey with the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds from 1982 to 1985. He would be drafted by the Edmonton Oilers in the 1983 NHL entry draft and was called up to the team in 1985. Joining one of the greatest teams in NHL history was fortunate for Bukaboom, who won three Stanley Cups with the team. With the departures of Randy Grego and Rejo Ruzselainen, as well as the Paul Coffey saga, some jobs have opened up along the Oilers' blue line this season, and that's meant good news for big Jeff Bukaboom. Here's Hockey Horizon. Jeff Bukaboom was the Oilers' first round pick in 1983. And in his last year of junior, was rated top defensive defenseman in the OHA. Although he played in 44 games last year, he spent his share of time going between Edmonton and Nova Scotia. And it was tough seeing some of his friends stick with the clubs that they went to. They sent me down to Halifax, and obviously, they had some plans for me, I thought. So I went down to Halifax, I just worked hard. You know, the time, sure, got to you, you know, you're in the minors, and you see guys you played against, and... In junior, they're playing in the NHL already, and you knew that you were better than them. You get down, and it's a bit depressing. But then you gotta look at, I guess, rationally, and realize that they're not playing with the Edmonton Oilers. Well, I think he's a great asset to our team. He's a big, strong kid, and he's uh, working real hard. And uh, you know, he has a great shot. He's good offensively and defensively. I think he's a great, you know, a great help to our team. So I look at Kevin Lowe. Like, you know, he's been around a long time, and he's been really successful. And he's a real competitor. and I to like to think of myself as being like that. I think I might have had to have given him a few dollars to say that. Uh, particularly honored because Jeff has played real well this year. I mean, he's come in and I think uh, he was a noticeable loss on the road trip. There's no doubt about it. And I, like I mentioned earlier, you need six quality defensemen. He and Smitty formed a real solid pair. At only 22 years old, Jeff Bukaboom figures to be in the Oilers picture for a long time to come. He's happy he's with the Oilers. And who wouldn't be? With all their past successes and future promise, the outlook is good. Yeah, you, you know you're in good company, that's for sure. In 1991, he was traded to the New York Rangers with Marc Messier. It was there he won his fourth Stanley Cup in 1994. Unfortunately, due to his physical play, he suffered several concussions and would eventually retire in July 1999. Over the course of his 804 games, he had 1,890 penalty minutes and his second all-time in penalty minutes with the New York Rangers. He also registered 159 points during his time in the NHL. In 2009, he ranked 50th among the top 100 greatest players to ever play for the New York Rangers during the team's first 82 seasons. It was a momentous day on June 22, 1973, when the Ontario Legislature passed Bill 162, which amalgamated the village of Pickering and the town of Ajax into one community, retaining the name of Ajax. This was part of the creation of the new Durham region, and the new mayor for this new community would be Clark Mason. By August 1976, Ajax had a population of 20,000 people. It was a thriving community, and on August 25, 1976, the community was visited by a very special guest, the HMS Ajax. This was the 8th ship of that name and had been launched in 1962 to serve as an anti-submarine vessel. Carrying 259 crew, it was one of the most advanced ships afloat with computers that provided up-to-the-minute tactile pictures. Upon arrival in Ajax, the ship was presented with the Freedom of the City Award, which is a custom that dates back to the Middle Ages when people who lived in walled cities allowed others to come in because they were trusted. The invitation to visit had been started in 1963, but it was not until 1976 that it finally happened. The crew paraded down the street with swords raised, bayonets fixed, and colors flying. Today, the ship bell from that eighth version of the ship, which retired in 1985, is in the town council chambers, and it's used to call meetings to order. The anchor from the ship was brought to Ajax in 1987, and now sits at the Royal Canadian Legion. A lovely aspect of Ajax is that its streets are named for veterans who served on the HMS Ajax or other allied ships involved in the Battle of the River Plate. There are numerous plaques and monuments located through the community that constantly provide a reminder of Ajax's unique and exceptional history. Today, Ajax is home to more than 120,000 residents and is one of the most culturally diverse communities in the Greater Toronto Area. It is a very modern community, but if you know where to look, it's not difficult to find the vestiges of its earliest inhabitants and its time spent as a wartime munitions plant. If you do visit Ajax, then one great place to check out is the Pickering Museum Village. This museum village, which is the largest in the Durham region, allows you to explore 19 heritage buildings including a general store, a steam barn, chapel, inn, and much more. The museum was established in 1959 when a group of interested citizens collected a variety of antiques and artifacts to display at the schoolhouse to celebrate the school's centennial. They wanted to maintain those exhibits, so the Pickering Township Historical Council was created and a subcommittee was established to form the museum. The brick Schoolhouse and the land around it were bought and on July 1, 1961, the museum officially opened. During the winter of 1978-79, the buildings of the museum were moved to the Greenwood location and the Pickering Museum Village was officially reopened at the current site on September 27, 1979. So just head northwest of Ajax just a little bit and you will find this wonderful museum village. I hope you enjoyed that episode of my look at Ajax, Ontario. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at canada ehx.com. You can find me on Twitter, my handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at bairdo 37 As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX, and you can donate to the podcast by going to -eh CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobs, Robert Page, Richard D, Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Garthoe, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W, Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Shove, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke Guess, JP Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.